anyway, that's where we're going to be. And today we want to look at a message I've entitled, Unto Us. And you see where it comes from, right? The second and the third words of this verse. But please stand with me out of honor to God and his word as I read. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thank you. you. May be seated. So let's start looking at this this morning. First of all, this idea of unto us. Unto us. Who is us? When Isaiah writes that, unto us, who does he mean? Well, of course, Isaiah was sent to Israel. So by definition, the us is Israel. But not only is it that, but it is all believers by implication. This is a message for all of us as believers. And thirdly, it is the world by extension. So let me say that again. The us in unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. The us is Israel by definition. It is all believers by implication. And it is the world by extension. Now think about it. Why the world? Because all nations have been touched by Christianity. Not just through missionaries, like Jennifer was reminding us, but the entire world has been touched by Christianity. So much so that Revelation 5, 9 tells us that all people will be represented in heaven. All peoples will be gathered around the throne in heaven. It says every tongue, every nation, every people will be gathered there around the throne in heaven. So the us is us. It's us. For unto us a child has been born. Unto us a son has been given. Keep in mind that God gives what he gives for us, not himself. The things that God gives, he gives for us, not himself. The child's son mentioned here, he didn't give that for himself. He gave for us. In fact, every good gift is from God. James 1.17 says that every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. God needs nothing. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need us to give him anything. God wanted a people for himself, but he didn't need a people for himself. He is completely self-sufficient. God doesn't need us. We need him. And God is continually thinking of his people. In Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18, uh, David writes, How precious are your thoughts of me. The sum of them is more than the sands of the seashore. And so God is constantly thinking of his children. Now, you and I are wondering, what should I get so-and-so? What should I send to so-and-so? What's so-and-so going to get for me for Christmas? We're constantly thinking of that. Oh, what are we going to give? In fact, a husband asked his wife one time, what do you want for Christmas? She said, surprise me. So he didn't get her anything. Boy, was she surprised. People have asked me if I'm going to do any Christmas shopping this year. Well, it's kind of hard for me to do Christmas shopping. I said, no. I said, but I'm going to get people whatever I've been seeing on TV. You know, when I was in the hospital and when I was in the rehab center, I watched a lot of TV. Now, I don't normally watch a lot of TV, but I didn't have anything else to do, so I watch a lot of TV. And so uh, people that are younger than 50, they're going to get as-seen-on-TV stuff. But I tell you what, everybody older than 50, I'm getting a medication. I saw so many medicine commercials... And some of that stuff looks like it'll really do you good. So that's what I'm doing. But God doesn't wonder what to get people. God doesn't wonder. He already knows. He already knows. He gives us just what we need just when we need it. 
And God is continually giving and sending to us, not just at Christmas. He's always giving and sending to us. He meets our daily material needs. He gives us good health. But God gave us in his son a gift that we all need. When God sent us his son, that was a gift we all need. And look what the angel said about it. For unto you, hey, remember, unto us is born. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. No gift has ever been more needed or more appropriate than God giving his son. And he didn't just give his son as a baby in the manger, but he gave his son as a Savior on the cross. That baby grew up to die on the cross to pay for the sins of all who would believe. And after he died, he was buried. And the third day, he rose again from the dead. Let me say it again. No gift sent has ever been more needed or more appropriate. God didn't have to think about what he was going to send for Christmas. He knew he would send his one and only son. For himself? No. For us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. So let's look at this child. You know, God is known for putting hope in the hands of a child. Think of your Bible history. Go way back uh, to Genesis. God told Abraham, you're going to be a father of a great nation. And then it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, there was baby Isaac. And Isaac isn't really a, a big character in the Bible, but because of Isaac, through him, was Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel and so on and so forth. And Abraham became the father of a great nation. But God put all of Abraham's hope in this little baby, Isaac. Fast forward a little bit. The, the nation of Israel is now enslaved by Egypt. And they want a deliverer. They want a savior. They want somebody to come help them. And God puts all their hopes in the hands of a little baby, Moses. Moses, whose mom said, you know what? The Egyptians are killing all of our boys. I'm not going to let them kill this boy. And so she puts him in a basket. He sends him down the river. And who finds him? But Pharaoh's daughter. And just on cue, when she pulls back the blanket to look at him, he cries. And she takes him in, and she raises him as an Egyptian. And he later delivers Israel. But again, God put all the hopes of Israel in a little baby. What about when God decided to save the world? Same thing. He put all of our hopes in the hands of a little baby, Jesus, who grew up to die for our sins. So God is known for putting hope in the hands of a child. And I will tell you this, that children are of utmost importance to God. Think about this story from the Bible where Jesus is out teaching and healing, and there's all these children trying to come up to Jesus, and the disciples say, no, 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 he's too busy, he's too important, uh, leave the children back, and Jesus says, you allow the children to come to me, and don't forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Children are the essence of the faith. Children are the future of the faith. Do you realize this, that the church is always only one generation away from extinction? If we don't reach the next generation, as a church, we'll be extinct. So when you look at the children that you see here at Awana and you see them at Upward Soccer and, of course, you see them in Sunday school, all of our hopes here at First Baptist are wrapped up in these children because they're the future of this church. Now, God gives parents, fathers in particular, a tremendous responsibility concerning the children that he has entrusted to them, to us. 
We are to teach our children the things of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 and 7, it says, When you stand up, when you sit down, when you go out, make sure you tell your children. So when you're out and about and you see creation or whatever, you tell them about it. When you're home, you tell them about it. You show them your Bible, whatever it is. We are to teach them the things of God. And we are to raise them as believers. In fact, fathers in particular has this, have this job. If you notice, uh, Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen. How do you think Joseph and Mary felt as they raised God's son? I mean, God entrusts to them his one and only son. How do you think they felt about that? Well, how about 12 years later? How do you think they felt about when they lost God's son? So they'd all been to Jerusalem for a feast, you know, and they get a, a day or two days journey away when it's over. They're heading back home. And Joseph comes up to Mary and says, hey, Mary, uh, where's Jesus? She said, well, I thought he was with you. And she said, no, I thought he was with you. They lost God's son. Of course, they go back to Jerusalem. They find him in the temple and he's teaching the teachers. How do you think Mary and Joseph felt as they raised the very Son of God? Now let me ask you, how are you raising the children that God has put in your trust? If you're still raising children, how are you raising the children God has put in your trust? He wants you to teach them the things of Him, of God. He wants you to raise them as believers. Now you can't make them believe, but you can raise them as believers. But why so much emphasis on children? You know, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Why so much emphasis on children? Well, listen. God became a child of man so we could become children of God. God was born a child of man so we could be born again as children of God. No wonder there's so much emphasis on children. So we've seen unto us, we've seen a child. <clears throat> Let's look thirdly at a son. Now note, the child is born, but the son is given. This is very significant. For unto us a child is born. That's Mary, giving birth, Christmas Day. But unto us a son is given. The son is coming from God. Okay. Jesus is the son of God. He is coexistent, co-equal, and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. The son of God did not have his origination at Christmas, only his manifestation. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. I got a, my Bible's on my phone because uh, just a Bible, a, a paper Bible wouldn't work here. But I don't want you to think I'm texting people or whatever. I'm, uh, but John chapter 1. I've already lost my place. This is to make the point that the Son of God did not have his origination at Christmas. Just his manifestation, his revelation. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now go down to verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. So I want you to see, first of all, from John chapter 1 and verse 1, that Jesus, the Son of God, he is the everlasting one. 
But how do we know Jesus, the Son of God, is the Word? Because it doesn't say Jesus here. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How do we know this is talking about Jesus, the Son of God? We'll go down to verse 14. It says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I will tell you, Jesus is the only person of the Trinity to ever become human. God the Father didn't become human. God the Holy Spirit didn't become human. But God the Son became human. But what does it matter that God became human? Why do we make this big deal about Christmas? Is it really important? Well, first of all, it is important so that Jesus, a human, could die for our sins. You might remember in the Old Testament, they used lambs and rams and ox, and they would sacrifice all these things. But the Bible says these animals could never take away sin because you need a man to die for man's sin. And so it is important that God became human so he could die for our sins. Secondly, it's important that God became human so he could understand our plight experientially. Now, God knows everything, but you know very well, sometimes you know something intellectually, but until you experience it, you really don't know it. So God knew intellectually what it was like to be human, but until he became a human, he did not have that experience. And the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus had the human experience, the whole human experience, such that it says in Hebrews 4.15, he was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. So it's important that God became human to die for our sins. It's important that God became human so he could understand our plight experientially. And it's important that God became human so that we could appreciate the extent to which God is willing to go to reach us. He didn't just send a message. He didn't just send a messenger. He came himself as the Messiah. You want to know how much God loves you? He became a human and he came to this earth to live and to die, to experience humanity in all its fullness except sin. So I want you to see from John 1.1 1, 1, that he is the everlasting one. Secondly, and this is just kind of an aside, look in verse 3. He is the creating one. He is the creating one. It says there, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Now, we all know Genesis 1.1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that's probably one of the first verses we ever learned. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, notice John uses the same language in verse 1. In the beginning, same words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so he is the creating one. And Paul would later write in Colossians 1.16, all things were made by him and for him. And so we see he's the everlasting one, he is the creating one, and thirdly, most importantly for us, look down in verse 12. He is the saving one. It says there, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. People can become God's children by receiving Jesus, the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? People can become God's children by receiving him. Now notice this, we're not receiving something from him, we're receiving him. Now we always think of what can I get from God? I want him to get my daily needs. I want my salvation. I want my eternal life. Notice what it says. As many as received him, not something from him, but him. And notice that all are invited to receive him as savior. It says, but as many as received him. Now that's a wide open invitation right there. As many as received him 
can become the children of God. Faith is not limited. It's universal. The need is universal, and so is God's provision. As many as receive him. Whatever that number is, all are welcome. All are invited to become children of God by grace through faith. Now hear this. God's children will live in God's heaven with God himself forever. This is why it's so important. God's children will live in God's heaven with God himself forever. Amen. And so Jesus, the Son of God, is the everlasting one. He is the creating one. He is the saving one. So I spent all this time telling you that Jesus is the Son of God, but I want to tell you something else about him. Jesus is the Son of Man. He's the Son of God, but he's the Son of Man. Well, am I talking out of both sides of my mouth here? This was actually one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself. When you read through the Gospels, he called himself the Son of Man. In fact, he never called himself the Son of God. He always called himself the Son of Man. And that was to remind him and us of his humanity as a man. Jesus had an earthly father and an earthly mother. He had the same struggles and difficulties that we do. Jesus did not have a perfect life, but he did live a perfect life. But he didn't have a perfect life. He was born into poverty. Uh, you've seen pictures and maybe even uh, you go to a play or something and these huts that people lived in with dirt floors, that's what he was born into. He didn't have a perfect life. He wasn't born into a castle. His parents weren't royalty. But even though he didn't have a perfect life, he lived a perfect life. As the writer of Hebrews says, he was tempted in every way we are, just without sin. And so Jesus called himself the Son of Man to remind him and us of his humanity, but also to remind him and us of his mission for man. Why did Jesus come? He came for us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Look what Jesus said of himself in Mark 10, 45. It's time for my pills, sorry. There's no way, to, no way to silence that. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth this morning, my friends. Jesus is the God-man. He is fully human. He is fully divine. He is the one and only God-man. Why is that important? Well, I mentioned only a man could die for man's sins. But only God would be worthy. If any one of us tried to die for the sins of the world, we wouldn't be worthy. Only the sinless one would be worthy. And thirdly, only God's sacrifice would be eternal. You see, our sin, doesn't matter whether it's, we call it a big sin or a little sin, our sin has offended the eternal one. Therefore, our sin requires an eternal payment. Well, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, he is not only worthy, but he is eternal to pay our sin debt. Amen. So here's the question I have for you this morning, and I'm sure you can guess what it is. Have you believed on Jesus, the Son of God? Have you received Jesus as your personal Savior? 
Do you believe he died on the cross to pay for your sins? He was buried for your sins, and he rose again the third day. Because here's what the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Have you believed on Jesus, the Son of God? This is what Christmas is all about. It's not the decorations. It's not the presents. It's the fact that for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The child was born. The son was given. The question is, have you received him? You can by grace through faith. And I assure you, you'll have the best Christmas ever. I don't know what presents you're going to get or whatever, but knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, knowing you have eternal life no matter what, will give you the best Christmas ever. Amen. If you've never received Christ as Savior, may today be the day. May this Christmas season be the season. You invite him into your heart. You experience his forgiveness and his salvation. Then you will understand that you're part of the us. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. I'm part of the us. And maybe most of you are part of the us. But if you're not, you can be by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for the, the beauty and the wonder of Christmas. We thank you for the privilege to be here today. And now, Father, this is the invitation time. This is a time for people to get right with you. There may be believers here who have things in their lives they need to just get rid of. There may be unbelievers here who need to receive Christ for the first time ever. Father, have your will and way in this time. And we thank you in Jesus' name.